Hello and welcome to Career View Mirror. I'm your host, Joyelle Crawford, and today's very special guest is Renee Sterling. She is an EMEA regulatory controller at Wells Fargo. Prior to joining Wells Fargo in July 2021, she spent 12 years at Goldman Sachs. Renee qualified as an accountant with, with Deloitte as an external auditor in Atlanta, Georgia, and Washington, D.C. She's extremely passionate about mental health, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and personal finance. She is a mental health first aider and a certified financial education instructor. Her mission is to normalize the dialogue on mental health and personal finances, and this could not be more timely than talking about this during the holidays today. She recently combined forces with her friend, Rondette, to launch a podcast, Race to Rise. And if you haven't listened to this, you need to. I'll make sure to put that information in our comments. The podcast is about two Black female expats who are trying to conquer this thing called life while pursuing their passion and purpose. During her free time, she loves spending time with her family, reading, traveling, brunches, yes, and spas. Welcome, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad that we're on. And for all of you who are watching, um, Renee is calling in from England, right? That's England. right. I was like, where in the world are you this time? Yes. Yeah, so you are in England still. Okay. <laughs> so. Yes, I am. I still have not left the UK since November 2019, unfortunately. Wow. Wow. That is so cool, though, because I love being in the UK spent a semester abroad and I want to go back so I can understand not wanting to leave. It's just beautiful there. Yes. Yeah, it is. Awesome. So, so let me dive into, let's look at your career view mirror for a minute. And can you specifically describe your role as an EMEA regulatory controller? What does the EMEA stand for? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. So that stands for Europe, Middle East and Africa. So in the region, I look at regulatory reporting for Wells Fargo's entities in that region. And what regulatory reporting entails is effectively two things, monitoring key ratios, uh, one that's for our firms who have prudential capital requirements is the common equity tier one ratio. Um, and that effectively is making sure that we have enough capital available in the form of resources mm -hmm. to absorb any losses that we may have as a result of maybe a client not fulfilling the end of its uh, agreement or just due to market volatility for positions that we hold. Um, and separately, when we think about regulatory reporting, we also have financial statistical returns. And the idea is, as a regulated entity, regulators want to have timely information to assess how well the firms that it is regulating and supervising are performing. And by submitting information timely, mm -hmm. it gives regulators that insight um, to step in if required. So that's my day job in, in, in one element is making sure that we submit the regulatory returns, mm -hmm. but separately internally, making sure that management has uh, metrics 
so that it can make decisions around businesses, what new trades, expanding. So there's no single day that I have that looks the same simply because from a regulatory landscape, it is very dynamic and rules change all the time as well as strategy around how we wanna position ourselves and how do we think about the regulatory requirements when doing that. That's fantastic. And so would your clients be like big companies? Like what are your clients look like? What's that? Yeah. So ultimately our client, our, our, our primary client is the regulator. So if I oh. look at my entities in the UK, uh, we, I look at the branch of Wells Fargo. So we have a London branch of Wells Fargo. So that is the bank of England. If I look at our broker dealer, you know, actively trading in securities or helping, um, with underwriting and, and issuing stocks or bonds for our clients, mm -hmm. um, that will be the financial conduct authority, and also depending on the size of your entity, you could be dually regulated. I'm not trying to go too technical, um, but obviously each country that we are performing regulated activities, we have a different regulator that we need to comply. Now within the EU, you know, they're typically for the larger institutions, there is a common uh, regulator, um, but if we're much smaller then we have the local regulator. So uh, the French entity I look at is being regulated specifically by ACPR, which is the French regulator. Wow. So that's our primary audience. But then separately, you know, we have senior management again, um, mm -hmm. because they have a mandate to make sure, you know, as directed by the board, that we are obviously making sure that we are constantly having enough capital, not just from the requirements, because we have to, but also, you know, having other layers um, to absorb shocks to instill confidence. We never want to just do the minimum. Mm -hmm. We also want to make sure that we have enough to navigate challenging times, such as the recent pandemic, right? We would have right. seen there was a lot of volatility in the market. And so, you know, regulators across the globe were more focused on making sure that firms were in a position to navigate that. Um, so yeah, I wear two hats. One is making sure our returns are correct, accurate, filed, timely, but also helping management uh, and equipping them with the right metrics so they can plan ahead and also have appreciation of where we are today. Wow. So you've got a lot of different countries and rules and regulatory stuff going on in your head. I mean, do you do you have to memorize this? Do you have to go to school in order to to kind of get into this yeah. type of work? I mean, that is a really good question. So if we take a step back and how I even got to reg. Yes. Um, <laughs> earlier. So I did accounting um, and, you know, I did a bachelor's and master's in accounting at the University of Florida, go Gators. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I guess going to university, what was told is, you know, big four, big four, big four. So that was the thing. When I say big four accounting, you're looking at Deloitte, EY, PwC, KPMG. So I interned with Deloitte. I got a full-time offer after I graduated to work at Deloitte. Um, but after a few years, I kind of looked and realized I didn't really want to do public accounting for the long term. And so I was interested in pivoting into industry, specifically banking. And the reason why I was interested in banking was because in 2007, I actually had the opportunity to audit Fannie Mae and look at mortgage-backed securities. And that was literally the tipping point before we got into the financial crisis of 2008. That, that crisis and happened. So, yeah, wow. Timing. Timing, timing is everything. Right? 
So, so getting that exposure, I felt like, wow, this would be a great opportunity to transition into banking, looking into maybe investment banking or risk. Mm -hmm. However, my timing to look into that, um, I, there was a lot of competition simply because, you know, companies such as Lehman Brothers folded. Um, there were acquisitions, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch kind of merged together. And so looking at that, um, when I heard of an opportunity to work at Goldman Sachs in London for a fellowship, mm -hmm. uh, they immediately saw my audit background and said, look, you know, the truth is you don't have direct experience for investment banking or risk, um, but we really like your audit background and think you should, you know, explore regulatory reporting. And I'll be honest, like you, I didn't even know what that meant. Right. I was like, well, reporting, but, you know, having a glass half full and just saying, you know, always go for opportunities. I said, well, what's the worst that can happen? It's a year at Goldman in London and I was getting paid in pounds, which at the time, believe it or not, the pound was two to one. Yes. So <laughs> I was like, already, I was like, it's two to one. <laughs> exactly. So I went for it. And, and obviously it was an amazing opportunity because I, I joined as an analyst and within four years went from an analyst to associate to vice president because the whole regulatory reporting landscape changed. Um, and obviously there was a huge overhaul in making sure that firms had adequate liquidity, adequate capital and more buffers um, that were previously required from a minimum. So that's kind of how I got there. Like it, it it was from an audit background to Fannie Mae auditing mortgage-backed securities to having an interest in banking to then being, you know, pivoted to another area that I didn't think about. But honestly, if I look at where we are today, you know, regulatory landscape and continue overhaul and that is here to stay. And so really there's never been a dull, mo dull moment. And I, I've had so many opportunities um, to progress at Goldman as well as an opportunity to take on a more senior role at Wells Fargo. That's fantastic. I mean, are there any tips for somebody who wants to follow in this type of career path? I know that yeah. yours was very unique to you, and then you took you took a chance on yourself, and you just rolled into this new, you know, this new world of regulatory um, yes. advising. So, what, what, how would someone like any tips or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. So, look, yeah. I think I think one just being curious. I think um, what you'll find with the rules is. You know, I remember when I first joined, I was like, I need training. And I remember my manager at the time was like, there is no training with rules, you know, with regulatory requirement, you, you learn on the job. And I think that's one of the cool things is, it is something that you can learn on the job. I think obviously it helps if you have an accounting background, but I know someone who was a journalist um, who was able to transition from being a journalist to reg policy. You know, I think he had the investigative nature, right? And that curiosity. Yep. I think that intellectual curiosity is needed in any job that you want to um, pursue and just demonstrating an interest mm -hmm. an understanding of like, what is the regulator? Do you understand the regulators? Do you know the difference between the regulators? Do you understand the difference between, you know, what is being done from a compliance, which is looking at more behavioral versus more from a regulatory prudential when it's looking at more financial uh, metrics. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think it's just intellectual curiosity having the ability to learn on the spot. Mm -hmm. Soft skills are everything, you know, because if you think about what it takes to implement new rules, there's going to be an element of technology. There's going to be an element of change management. There's going to be an element of working with legal, compliance, accounting, the business directly, whether it's the trading desk or investment banking or asset management. So that's my advice to anyone is 
whatever you're interested in, if you are interested in reg reporting, it's to have that intellectual curiosity and then zoom in, what is it that you want? Do you wanna be on the buy side, which is looking at asset management, hedge funds? Do you wanna be on the sell side, which is your investment mm -hmm. banks, your broker dealer, you know, or retail bank. Maybe you find retail bank interesting. So I, I always tell people it's, it's one thing to start with the interest, but it's better when you can dig deep and, and actually go into the why and what is it? So exploring the why and the what uh, that you want to do. Did you, I mean, do you, would, I, I remember when I was coming up and kind of trying to figure that out, like I knew I wanted to be in HR and I knew I wanted to do training, but I also thought, well, am I cutting my nose off despite my face? Maybe I'm focusing so much on this that there could be other departments that I might be interested in. I remember shadowing in those different departments. Would you is that possible to do in your in your um, industry? I mean, I think nowadays the industry is trying to have, you know, more forums to get people who are, you know, fairly junior in their career or more established to um, explore their areas and if they want to reinvent themselves. Me personally, I'm all about just reaching out to people if you are in banking and that's something you want to you know explore or to be honest there's so many people who have reached out to me on linkedin right mm -hmm. um in some cases i don't have all the answers you know but i'm always happy to help and speak from my experience mm -hmm. but i think it's starting with your network like yes. is there anyone that's in regulatory reporting you mm -hmm. know or are you in a company that has an element of regulatory reporting and people love to talk and connect right yes. you know you just your questions have to be very specific right it's more mm -hmm. like what is it that you do who are your stakeholders what is your work for workflow like and i think the more you delve into that that's for you to then assess you know based on the workflow based on your own assessment of what your strengths are and what you enjoy are they compatible and do they go hand in hand Yes, yes. I think that is so key. And I feel like LinkedIn needs to start paying me for as much as I leverage I'm like, where is where are the royalties coming in LinkedIn? Just saying. I'm just always talking about how leverage LinkedIn as a um, networking tool because a lot of people are flattery operated just like myself who love to just connect and talk about you know, how they got where they got to and what have you. Yeah. And especially if it's in the lane that you're working in, you know, 100%. of course, you're going to want to talk about that because you're passionate about it. So yeah. leverage it. Just if you see somebody like, like listeners, my audience, if they, if you, if you're hearing what you like from Renee, follow her, you know, connect with her later on, perhaps, you know, these, these are the things that, that help leverage your career and help you move forward. And um, I think that's so important to, to, again, start with your network and you can create a virtual network. And nowadays that's, that's kind of all we have right now. So, I mean, certain countries are locked that have just opened up their lockdown um, from being locked down for like 20 plus months. So mm -hmm. This is leverage your networks. Yes, yes. Exactly. No, I agree. It, it's leverage your networks. And to your point, sharing is caring. You know, yeah. I, I just don't believe in people reinventing the wheel. Um, mm -hmm. Me personally, I just had an open mind and I kind of stumbled into it and it just worked out. But, you know, I think 
I always try to remind myself whatever experience I have, like make sure that one, I'm enjoying it. And two, you know, the, the, the projects and the remit that I have is something that can help me reinvent myself should I want to. Um, and I think there's so many transferable skills that you can get um, from having a career in regulatory reporting. Absolutely. And leveraging those transferable skills. I mean, just thinking about the, uh, the colleague that you have who's a journalist who leveraged his investigative skills into the field of regulatory um, reporting. So, I mean, I think it's just, it's very interesting and in making sure that you stay open. Yeah. Um, what's one myth uh, about working in your field that you wish you could eliminate? Ooh, that's a good question. Maybe I think in the past, the myth would, for regulatory reporting is you just do returns. Um, but actually I think nowadays, because regulation goes hand in hand with new business and initiatives, I think you have an opportunity to be a strategic advisor when it comes to opining on regulatory rules or helping the business to think about ways to optimize capital while also, you know, trying to fulfill its objective, which is to generate the greatest return possible for shareholders. So I'll definitely admit that, you know, when I first joined, you know, it was at the peak of financial crisis. It was just, okay, you guys do regulatory reporting back there. But, you know, fast forward, you know, as rules evolve, you know, the, I mean, businesses are constrained by capital. You know, there is a cost of capital that's used to deploy. So the more you are well-informed on the rules and how to advise, you know, the better value you are and the more highly demanded you are. So yeah, I definitely think um, that myth of just, you know, paper crunching, number punching, mm -hmm. I, I think that's starting to change. I think being able to understand rules and data and yeah. helping to advise on that is definitely the way forward. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for dispelling that myth. Uh, because I think that there's a lot of times where people, like you even said, you were like, ah, uh, do I really want to go into this? Absolutely. <laughs> but then, you know, the more you learn. So it's, it's, it's really important to, to um, not lean on kind of what you hear, but to explore it yourself and learn. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. So I like to, you know, to downshift into self-leadership and talk about how you stay um, on top of things. Like I said, you know, Renee's, Renee is uh, dialing in from the UK. So it's the, her day is over or maybe it's lunchtime. I'm not sure how, how long you work, how, how long your days are since you said no day is the same, but how do you fill your energetic cup? That's a really good question. I mean, I try to focus on the little things because right now I have a little girl and she's only 16 months. And so that takes up a lot of my time, but I try to enjoy little things such as getting a, my favorite cup of coffee. Um, if you know I have a meeting that ended or a meeting that was canceled, use that to go for a walk or to work out. You know, I'm a firm believer to work hard, but I also believe you have to play hard. Hence you'll notice, as you said in my bio, I love brunches, spas, traveling. I, I do think it can't only be about work. That said, you have to understand that there's just going to be times where it would be nice, but you, you just don't have that. You have to yeah. focus on deliverables that are urgent. So for me, being new to the company, um, you know, working on projects that have deadlines, you know, by the end of this year, it's been harder. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, Christmas is coming around. So there's going to be some downtime. So 
you know, my, my way is try to find the little things. I think sometimes we wait for this grandiose holiday. Yes. Um, but actually I think sometimes just taking five minutes to even go to my favorite coffee shop and getting a coffee is a form of self-care for me because I'm getting fresh air and I get to breathe in, breathe out, drink coffee and then re-energize and get back into it. <laughs> Fill it up, you know, like you just kind of like filling up, literally filling up your cup. <laughs> <laughs> literally that's wonderful and i like how you use um and i've gotten into this practice as well um since the pandemic is seeing that blank space in your calendar not as okay now there's a, an opening let me just fill it up with more work yeah. seeing that as a gift and saying okay how can i treat myself you know even if it's just 15 minutes or five minutes i'm gonna yeah. go for that walk and get the air and do things that are good for me so seeing that time open time as a gift and not like an opportunity to do more work oh um, totally yeah. i mean the truth is working from home you have been working a lot longer right because you've cut out your commute time right for me that's like 45 minutes each way so that's an hour and a half of just more work and what i have to remind myself is the work never ends, right? Like, right. I mean, that's a good thing to have a continuity of work anyways. So, you know, you have to be a bit more disciplined with your boundaries. And also it's more of a self-governance too, right? We tend to be our hardest critics and we put our pressure more so than what other people put on us, right? right. So I just try to have healthy boundaries, recognizing that the work is a fountain. It will always be there. Mm -hmm. It will, it will. And even after we are gone from this earth, God forbid, you know, it will right. still be here. <laughs> so right. why not live? I, I, I'm working on um, working to live instead of living to work. And Absolutely. So sounds like you're on the same track there. Yes. Excellent. So have you experienced any challenges? You know, I know that um, the world of finance or being in the banking industry may be challenging, but you are obviously, and for those who are not watching, but listening, Renee is a black female, you know, so she, you know, how do you, have you dealt with anything or challenges in your career that relate to your identity and how have you combated that? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. I mean, let's start with number one. Sometimes it's lonely. Um, you know, there's been a long time where, you know, it's not unusual for me to be the only one or not unusual to be, you know, one of the youngest uh, in the room. And, you know, it's always nice to have a role model who looks like you, mm -hmm. who you can like bounce ideas off and all that fun stuff. But I have always had to, you know, train myself to say two things, right? Like, Yes, it would be great to have someone who looks like me, who's more senior, who can steer me or guide me, or I can try to be the change that I want to see. Yes. And so that's an attitude that I've tried to take, number one. Number two, I think we all know 2020 was absolutely a very, very, very challenging year, both emotionally and professionally. Professionally, because you have to continue to be on Zoom calls with a game face, everything's okay. Emotionally, you're torn because you've recognized and been reminded on several occasions, whether it's George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Aubrey, mm -hmm. but if you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, that can happen to you. And so one of the things that I did that was extremely risky uh, was use my podcast with my friend Rondette 
to record an episode called Can We Live? And I genuinely wanted to know that because I just felt like it didn't matter what accolades I had, what companies I've worked for, that does not make me immune. And that was a very raw, uh, emotional journey to do. But I felt like, and at the time I was pregnant with my daughter, and I felt like, how can I instill courage to my unborn child if I'm not going to be courageous and speak right. up and right. wave that flag? Mm -hmm. And so, look, it was a risk because mm -hmm. I could have been deemed as militant, um, political, sensitive, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it is my truth. And the pandemic has allowed all of us to be a bit more authentic because we're at home and right. now people need to have an insight. And so I put it out there and believe it or not, my employer at the time, Goldman, was very supportive. It allowed us to promote it on LinkedIn. It featured us on Instagram. And I got a lot of people who walked up and said, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So that's my long-winded way of saying, instead of me waiting for someone who looked like me to pave the way, I decided to be courageous with my friend through our podcasts mm -hmm. and air our stories and give advice on how to be effective allies, if you will. Yes. Um, because I don't want a hashtag. I want to see a change in policies and leaders that are pushing to make sure that DEI is not feared, but right. cheered. Yes, so I love it. Feared, but not, it. yes. Cheered, but not feared. I love it. 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 Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you know, I think it, it, it's a great episode, but there are also other episodes that you all should be listening to um, on her podcast. Um, but I do feel it that um, the, the impact that you can make, I know that Shirley Chisholm says, you know, you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair, but I'm like, build your table. Like build the table, build the whole dining room set, you know, the whole boardroom and everything. You know, I think it's important when you have those obstacles that you build it yourself yeah. and not being afraid to ask to be amplified. I think it was, you know, like I talk about in my book, show your ask, just use your advocate for yourself. If you know, people don't know unless you ask or speak up. So you've got to do that. And I think that, that was, that's really powerful advice, Renee, about, Thank you. about how to overcome some of these challenges that I know that a lot of people are dealing with, you know, it's, it's, and DEI is not just um, gender or sexual identity or race. It's uh, like you said, age, it's diversity of thought, Absolutely. you know, and experiences and being able to, again, cheer it on instead of fear it. It's not, it's not going away. It's who we are. All of us, you know, have, have a uh, diversity and, 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 and strive for equity and inclusion. So it's important for that to, for you to, to complete, completely champion that. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we did that and I'm glad we got the support and long live that people at least understand that there's a different um, perspective. And, and to your point also about, you know, being a black woman, I think for a long time, I believed that my work would speak for itself. And I remember that the first time I didn't get promoted and I was told that doing your job is just not enough to get promoted. Right. right. And I think, you know, you know, it's coming from a Caribbean background, both my parents are Jamaican. I was just told, you know, you put your head down, 
do your work, let your work speak for itself. And yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, your work will kind of guarantee that you have a job. But I think what people don't really understand is the power of connectivity and the power of like really building relationships. And if I look at the way the world is shaping now, you know, we have so many machine learning and algorithms that are going to do a lot of the stuff that, you know, humans used to do. But what really will differentiate you is your ability to connect with people. So for me, getting that reality check early in my career, when I thought, but I did my work and was told yes. that wasn't enough, I realized that the game is really understanding like your connectivity and truly understanding the stakeholders. And mm -hmm. are you aligning with the key decision makers who can push the button on your comp as well as your promotion? Oh, that's so true. Um, you know, things do not fall in your lap. Um, and it's really important to understand. And I, again, my father was Jamaican as well. So I'm Jamaican, I'm half, half Jamaican, right. but I definitely understand the put your nose to the grindstone and people will see what you're doing. But um, visibility is so important and you can still be visible in a virtual workspace um, by bringing those ideas, like you said, bubbling them up, speaking up. Even if your voice is shaking, you've got to speak up um, with the different things that you're experiencing or not experiencing um, in the work world. So, or or in your life, in your in your personal life too. Um, it's important to advocate for yourself now more than ever. And connecting with people that that is a um, somebody used to somebody um, that I follow. She doesn't call them soft skills; she calls them power skills. And I'm just like, yes, yes, power skills, because they are really powerful and having that ability to connect with other people. I think that is one of effective communication is so, so key um, now more than ever. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So here's my favorite question that I like to ask all my guests. So let's let I know that you've got little Chloe who's who's um, looking up to you. But what would you, what career advice would you have given to little Renee? Like a yeah. few years ago, what career advice, like one or two tips that you would give yeah. to little Renee as she was coming up? So, yeah, so for me, um, I would say first things first is to be courageous. Mm. I think, you know, a lot of times we have been told about smart goals, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, timely. Yes. But I think being courageous is what will help you to step out of your comfort zone and you really will learn more. And sometimes you may fail forward, yeah. but the key is by being courageous, you are stepping outside of your boundaries. That's number one. Yes. Number two, I would say follow the leader and not the brand. Ooh. I think for a long time, we have been groomed to just focus on what looks great to the outside, as opposed to making sure you are working for a leader who has the same moral compass as you. And I think when you have a leader who has the same moral compass as you, you're likely gonna get timely feedback. Yes. You're likely able to you know, act on that timely feedback and constantly improve and progress in your career. So, you know, there is a reason why people leave companies is because they leave people. Yes. And so I think it's very important to look at the type of people you work for. Not, does not mean that your manager is a genie and a mind reader, right? You have <laughs> no. to learn how to communicate. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, thanks for the vote of confidence, but I'm not a mind reader. Right. 
But at the same time, I would hope that people who work for me see me as someone who is aspirational, who has power skills, as you say, mm -hmm. um, and who only wants the best for people. And, and those are the type of leaders I look for. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that advice with your younger self, as well as our audience. I, I think that's great. I mean, being courageous and, and following the leader and not the brand are so key. And there's other little tips that you can always sprinkle in when you're working with your own leader. You can coach upward if they, they have a little bit of a, a hiccup with helping you develop you. Like yes. you said, they're not mind readers, but they're just like, I, I talk about this in my book, how leaders are like a GPS system. And you Absolutely. put the address in to the system and they help yeah. you calculate the route. And if you're getting lost, you yes. know, they're they're helping guide you on the track of where you want to go. But you've yes. got to if you if you've changed course, you've got to change the address so that they can recalculate the route for you. They won't know unless they know. So, oh, 100 so, percent. And, so and honestly, I did that before, you know, mm -hmm. years ago. I had a drink. He didn't mean badly. No. But he just did something. Just like, hey, just in the spirit of real-time feedback, one, two, three. And he, you know, was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Thank you. You know, but I think a lot of times we play scenarios in our head. And so that's how things perpetuate. Yes. Whereas for me, I just like to be direct. Maybe I'm too direct sometimes to my detriment, but I'd rather just air it out so we're on the same page, Absolutely. right? And I think that's just so important. It is so, so important to speak up for yourself and advocate for your career. Um, but again, it doesn't just happen. You have to actively do it. You've got to actively work it. So I appreciate you sharing those tips and um, on all of this wonderful information. Um, we are going to definitely make sure that we share information about Race to Rise, the podcast. Thank so you, you all can subscribe and listen to it, as well as subscribe and listen to this podcast as well. You know, but I really want to thank you, Renee Sterling, for being here, uh, fellow client, as well as Soror. So I really appreciate you being here. Uh, to share your story with my audience. And uh, again, if every, everyone, if you like what you heard, subscribe, share it with a friend and um, be safe. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you. <laughs>